You're listening to a podcast from The Pool. Hello, I'm Ella Risperger. I'm an author and a cook, and sometimes a journalist and other things too. And this week on The Pool, I'm talking about my plates to remember, five recipes from this cookbook that sort of sum up who I am and the things I think about cooking. This is my first book. It's called Midnight Chicken and Other Recipes Worth Living For. And it's a cookbook that starts with me trying to kill myself. So I guess it's a cookbook about mental health, 80 recipes about having an anxiety disorder and being in love and living in London and living living generally, I suppose. In this podcast so far, I've talked about cooking with love, about how I didn't cook much as a kid and why cooking has helped my mental health. But today I want to talk about why we cook and how we cook and how there really is no right way to do it. There is an awful lot of talk now about like the provenance of your ingredients and how you should do things yourself and how we should buy things with less packaging and how it's really easy to make your own pastry and how everything should take a long time and how we really should be spending hours very slowly cooking a very beautiful piece of meat that we got from the organic butcher who knows us by name and who raised the cow himself and how everything, the whole supply chain is beautiful and has taken a lot of time and money. And, you know, I'm not going to disagree. That is great. That is lovely. And in a perfect world, that's how we'd all cook all the time. But in reality, what talking about food in this way does is it limits cooking to a very small number of people. It limits cooking to people with a huge amount of disposable income and a huge amount of free time and a certain set of physical capabilities, I guess. It assumes everybody starts from an equal starting point. And we don't. And it's so crucial and important to acknowledge that everyone's fighting their own battles and everybody's doing their own thing and life is hard for people in different ways. And I don't think anyone ever starts talking about food like this to be exclusionary. I think genuinely when people talk about the provenance of ingredients and organic butchers and really taking the time to cook something and how it's better to buy something with less packaging or it's how it's better to use an independent grocer or how, you know, the best flavour is in something that's been simmered for 24 hours. I think they are thinking about great things like the environment and the survival of the high street and making sure that one supermarket doesn't have a monopoly and also things like flavour. Because, you know, a a stock that's been simmered for 24 hours is going to have an amazing flavour. And those are all great things to be concerned about. But what I worry sometimes is that, as I said, this really limits who gets to cook and who gets to enjoy good food. For example, I have a friend who has chronic fatigue and sometimes she is literally too tired and her muscles hurt too much for her to chop something. That's just her reality. That is her starting point. So her choices are presumably hire someone to chop stuff for her, never eat anything fresh, or to buy perhaps some prepackaged, pre-chopped squash or some pre-chopped onions. You know, one of those pre-peeled oranges that people are always campaigning about on the internet. Because if you don't have the muscle strength to do those basic things, it stops you from eating fresh fruit, it stops you from eating vegetables, it stops you from really enjoying food if you always are supposed to be feeling guilty about the way you have acquired the food. If you have been working all day, you're not gonna come home and make pastry yourself. You're just not going to. So you're just not, you're supposed to not have the joy of a pie in your life. This is terrible. Everyone should get a pie, especially if you've been at work all day. That's when you most need a pie. Unless you're on Bake Off, just buy it. Cooking 
It's not a contest, it's not a virtue test, and it's not only for people with plenty of time and money. Cooking is for everyone, or it should be. And anything that makes that more likely is to be applauded completely and wholeheartedly. So, my fourth plate to remember is something that uses quite a lot of prepared ingredients. It's a squash skillet pie. This pie was really called DIY squash skillet pie to start with. We took it out because it was sort of confusing. But what I meant by that is it's basically assembled. It's like an Ikea of pie. It's got onions and garlic and pre-chopped squash and chickpeas from a can and some double cream and some cheese. And then you put a lid on it. It's really delicious. As I record this podcast, we have just eaten it. All of it. A whole one. <laughs> it's super easy to put together. And you can do all of it by hand. Or you can buy almost all of it in packets. You can buy some pre-chopped red onions and some pre-grated garlic and tin chickpeas and some pre-chopped squash. Bung it all together in a frying pan. Cook it for a bit and then put some pre-made puff pastry on it. And it tastes so fancy and expensive and delicious. And there is a very limited washing up because you don't have to do any of the chopping if you don't want to. I have made this pie quite a lot because it is so easy and for the last couple of years I've had very very limited free time and I have not wanted to wash up. I have been getting home very late and I wanted to cook because, as I said in our last episode, if I don't cook every day, I slowly go mad. It's such an easy dinner to prepare. I am not saying that everyone could prepare this pie. There are people for whom this would be too hard and that is fine. If the only thing you can manage is... Cereal for dinner. That is so great. Well done for eating the cereal. I feel like we spend a lot of time casting aspersions on what other people are eating and what other people are doing with their bodies. And while, obviously, I am a huge proponent of cooking as the way to good mental health, I also want to say that it's not probably the thing for everyone. And sometimes you are just too miserable and depressed to cook, and that's fine. Sometimes you are too achy or too tired or too fatigued. And that is also fine. You should eat something if you can possibly manage it, because it will help. Your body needs fuel. But if what that is is cereal, if what that is is toast, it is better than nothing and good for you. I've been thinking a lot about the vegan, no-carb type movements, and I've been thinking a lot about the backlash to them and how so frequently that backlash takes the form of Let's tell people, particularly women, let's tell women what they're doing wrong with what they're eating. And it's the exact same backlash as there is to eating only toast or cooking like cooking in my book that's full of butter and salt and having a really like decadent time most days, which is that it all boils down to let's have opinions about what other people do with their bodies. And this isn't uniquely a female problem, but it does tend to, I think, come down on women hardest. There is much less judgment that I have read about, e.g. the hairy bikers, than there is about Deliciously Ella. Which is part of living under a patriarchy, I guess, and just the way the world works. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't call it out where we see it, and encourage genuine solidarity, and that everyone should eat just what they feel like eating. But you should eat something, because it will make you feel better. Thank you for listening to today's Plate to Remember. 
Tune in tomorrow for my final dish, whiskey and rye blondies, and another reminder that food is, above all else, just really nice and mostly to be enjoyed. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, we'd love you to rate, review and subscribe.